raging storm would stay a little longer with your feet up on the dashboard of my summer dream and westward i was hoping that we'd wake up to the softest of spring mornings humming do 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 and pray for so many things in life, for a healthier planet, for peace, for more time, for deeper connection with family. Sometimes we get our prayers answered, but before we fully understand the costs involved. That's what I'll be talking about this week on episode 18 of the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow, The Ash Tree. Remember when Sergia got stuck in that tree? Ula's side nearly splits with laughter recalling that day, her big sister's hubris as she scaled the giant ash, her embarrassment when she had to call for help. We are alone at home, standing in front of the mighty ash, the tree that wrapped my daughter's childhood in her branches. It taught them to climb, solve problems, face failure, take risks, and keep trying. The ash is now dead. It has been dead for a few years, dropping limbs on our car, in the compost, in the yard, threatening to drop limbs on us. I didn't want to make the call to have it taken down. I argued to Bob that the children weren't ready to let go of her. I wasn't ready to let go of her. When are you going to let me take down that tree? Will asked from the espresso bar the last Saturday in February. I only gave him a shrug then. That ash was resplendent when we moved here. Bob and I would sit in front of our house and gaze up at her as we dreamed our big dreams. That our family farm would make a comeback. That humans would learn to live peaceably on this earth. That we would someday earn a fair wage for the food we produced. Through countless summers and falls, I'd come out to my front step in the pre-dawn hours, bundled in sweaters and blankets, to gaze at the stars beyond her leaves and catching glimpse of fairies in her branches. And there, I would whisper my daily prayer, that all of humanity would come to understand that the soil, the water, the sunlight, and the air are sacred and do everything in our power to ensure their vitality and perpetuity. Will was supposed to leave for the National Guard last month. Four hours before his flight, they postponed his deployment due to COVID-19. Now he might be leaving in two weeks, or two months, hard to say. He's got some time to take that tree down, and he doesn't know when he'll be able to get back to it. So, today is the day I say goodbye to our mighty Ash. I touch my lips to my fingers, and my fingers to its trunk. 
and I go inside to pay bills while Ula prepares for her online class. Chainsaws scream outside my window as Will and his helper start removing her limbs. That's when a friend forwards the article to me, another story about the closing of the slaughterhouses out west, about farmers euthanizing pigs, about the ironic twist of fate of wasted food and hunger. The industrial food system is failing. Should I be excited? This is the big brother that has overshadowed my family's livelihood since before I was born. This is that behemoth that Bob and I dreamed of toppling with our ideals when that ash tree was still vibrant and sturdy. I can't remain at my desk. I go to my window and watch as each limb falls to the ground. I think about all those dreams and prayers whispered beside her trunk. And I realize that, in the calamity of this pandemic, we are closer to those dreams than ever before. Carbon emissions are down. We small farmers are moving the food to the people. For the first time in my life, no one questions the prices we charge. Letters of gratitude for food arrive in my email each morning. But in all that praying, I didn't ask for this human suffering. I didn't ask for these sacred animals, these bearers of sustenance, to be euthanized and laid to waste. I didn't understand there would be a ripple effect that the closure of the slaughterhouses out west would result on pressure being put on our own local small-scale butchers who are suddenly completely booked up and no longer able to provide services to us small farmers who have been their bread and butter. And in the absence of their services, we face down our own season's production. Six head of cattle, 18 pigs, 40 lambs, the cattle still grazing, the lambs newly born, the piglets not yet born, and we are already told that there will be no one to process them. And if we process them ourselves, we are in violation of codes and laws we have ardently adhered to, but which do little more than guarantee the dominance of an industrial food system that is failing the people. An animal must be killed under federal inspection, but may be cut under state inspection if it is to be sold by the farmer by retail cuts to the consumer. An animal must be killed under federal inspection and cut into retail cuts under federal inspection if it is to be sold by a third party to the consumer, even if the farm's name is on the label. Under no circumstances can an animal be killed under state inspection and cut under state inspection and then sold as retail cuts to the consumer. It's as if the feds are the only governing body capable of ensuring proper handling of livestock and processing facilities. And if that's the case, how did those plants get into so much trouble out west? These laws make it hard for small farmers to find processors for their meat. They make the processing extremely expensive. An industrial slaughterhouse could process 20,000 pigs in a day and meet all those federal rulings. My local butcher could process six and has to pay for all the same oversight. I hated that industrial system. I hated what it did to the people who worked in it. I hated how it treated the animals. I hated what it did to the land. I hated how it misled the public into believing their food was cheap, safe, and secure. 
These are the last thoughts in my mind as Will stands back on the far side of the field with the straps attached to the tree wound round his fingers. The trunk of the mighty ash has been nearly sawed through. With a tug, this single man pulls down an enormous tree. It crashes to the ground and my breath catches and my eyes fill with tears. The tree has fallen. And with it, my childish innocence about my own wishes and dreams. I wait until Will and his helper go home, then go stand in the yard. Sunlight beams down everywhere. And in this new light, I am forced to re-examine the prayers I made in the tree's shadow. I wanted this. But I didn't want it this way. I wanted a slow dawning of the need for change. I wanted for our government to recognize the unfairness of its laws and the fragility of its food system and to then unleash the small farmers of the nation to grow food and serve the people unfettered by bureaucratic restrictions. I wanted the people to embrace the small farmer out of choice. I wanted the industrial food system to wither into obsolescence as the workers peacefully migrated to healthier, happier vocations. In the words of John F. Kennedy, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. The violence may not look like war, but the senseless killing, the waste, and the human suffering are still there. We are faced now with a problem that the relentless quest for money has wrought, but that the power of money cannot solve. The industrial food system was about maximizing profit, economies of scale that disregard the soil, the animals, the workers, all in service to the dollar. But the small farm is about quality of life, nourishing family, land, and community so that the system may abundantly provide. That is why the workers in the slaughterhouses are falling sick. This is why the small farmers are still getting food to the people. The new light in the wake of this falling tree is glaring. It's frightening. I don't know how we're going to process those six head of cattle and 18 pigs and 40 lambs, but we will find a way. And whether I understood it or not, This is the reality of my whispered prayers. It's time to bravely face this new light and grow. This podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon, and this week I'd like to send a shout-out to my patrons, Teresa Zeman and Corby Mitlead. Thank you, folks. I couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to help support my work and gain access to exclusive content, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. As a reminder, our virtual general store has a new homepage and a new look. You can find it at sapbushfarmstore.com. There you can order your meat and groceries, our books, soap, skincare products, wool bedding, and yarn. We are always happy to ship non-perishables, but now we are also shipping our meats. 
We're still committed to keeping it local and regional, which means if we can get a package to you overnight using UPS Ground Services, then you are now within reach. That does include all of UPS Zone 2, some parts of Zone 1 as well, and includes the New York metropolitan area. So, hop on over to sapbushfarmstore.com and check out our meat packages as well as everything else we've got. It is an honor to be your farmers and to help you cook at home with nourishing ingredients. If you aren't local and you're sending your food dollars to your own local farmers right now, thank you. This is going to keep our community economies going and the local food flowing, no matter what happens in the broader world. And remember, our goal is to help the other farmers in our region by assisting with distribution and help keep you out of grocery stores. If you have an idea about a product we could carry or a way we could serve you better, we are eager to hear about it. As many of you will recall, we do have both a tenter site and an Airbnb vacation rental. We have new protocols instituted to enable safe vacation getaways while the pandemic rages on, which includes increasing the time between bookings. That means we will be accepting a lot fewer guests this season. However, being as we're tucked away in the northern Catskills, much remains unchanged with social distancing up here. The hiking trails, the farm fresh food, craft beverages, and the swimming holes are all still here for your enjoyment. Hop on over to sapbush.com if you'd like to check them out. And speaking of getaways, I need to schedule a short break from this podcast. My newest book, Give Hope, Feed Love, was purchased by Ben Bella Books last month, and I need to whip the manuscript into shape before I turn it over to the editors. It is very hard for me to maintain my creative focus on these weekly writings while also working on a manuscript, so this will be the last episode for a few weeks until I'm caught up. I don't like taking time away while we're working through this pandemic together, but I know this book is going to be important as we work toward our recovery on the other side. It talks about healing the world through community-centered entrepreneurship, living independently, working with family, understanding finances and wealth in harmony with the planet, and maintaining balance while juggling multiple businesses, kids, parents, and the need to enjoy a good life. I passionately believe these are the things we need to learn if we are going to rebuild a sustainable world during our recovery phase. So I want to get these pages finished and then send them as far out into the world as possible. So thank you for holding tight until I get back. I know some of you have written with questions for me to explore here. Feel free to send more. I will tackle them upon my return, I promise. And now, to my fellow farmers, again, thank you for listening and thank you for the work you're doing. We are not frontliners, but we are the roots of the system. And while we have a lot more personal liberties right now, we are not getting the same downtime either. We've got the usual labors of the season combined with the pressure to get food to the public as safely as possible. Remember that you cannot execute your calling if you aren't well. Take care of yourselves. While so many are trapped at home feeling powerless, the work we can do to build health and restore communities is endless. But we can only do what the day allows. Get some rest so you can keep going strong tomorrow. The work will always be there another day. Stay healthy, everyone.
This was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from memory. Thanks for listening and have a great week. So in seeds and reaping dreams And I think that I am